Hello everyone, uh, welcome to Mind Podcast 41.0, your weekly source for news, views and analysis. This is Adit Kapadia coming to you for an extremely dark, roomy and rainy evening in Houston. Yes. Uh, trying to keep the hopes up <laughs> here. Uh, together with me are Sunanda Vashisht and Pramod Kumar Bolavarli. How are thou? Good, good. How are you, Adit? Very good. Pretty good. Um, just uh, basking from the Halloween celebrations, they were basking in the Halloween celebrations. They were here, and trying not to be scared. Uh, yeah. They're they're more fun than scary. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it's fun. Y'all had a good Halloween. Yesterday. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. Yeah. So, I'm I'm, I'm sure uh, there were a lot of characters on uh, display on the, the fictional characters yesterday that people dressed up as, and some really Halloweeny characters on Indian news. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> they were more. Scared scary characters there there was more I didn't say scary they could be funny also, also yeah huh. Halloween well there was more well Halloween is all about make-believe Make so be- there was more make-believe happening in India than it was on the roads of India than it was happening here huh. on the roads of Latians and we, yeah you know actually there in India there are Halloween parties apparently yeah. but not those but the ones on we're talking scary. we're talking about the Halloween in Latians <laughs> So, what are your views initially, promote uh, Any interesting things that you heard in the news this week? No, it's not interesting to the extent that there was anything substantive. For example, uh, the RBI governor, and I know we'll come to that mm-hmm. a little bit later, mm-hmm. talking about the Moody's rating and talking about the need for debate. Uh, if it gets clubbed into this uh, this mm-hmm. Halloween thing you're talking about, <laughs> with these parties, these, yeah. these rallies, yeah. That is what I'm afraid about. The substantive portion gets lost yeah. and it gets clubbed. It doesn't get uh, filtered and we don't end up talking about the actual issues. I thought I and thought the- Raghuram Rajan made a phenomenal speech. Mm-hmm. I heard it and I thought it was really addressed to people who are just uh, being jokers right now on the streets and uh, doing inkalabs in Dabad for no reason. There is <laughs> there's inkalab to be gotten from nowhere. Yeah. But it was really for those people that, you know, uh, debate is fine, dissent is fine but ultimately you know people have to work this is the problem I have with leftists you know they stop at um, inclab there is nothing beyond inclab inclab ke baad bhi toh kuch hai what is the definition of inclab uprising a revolution revolution Haan. uprising revolution sab kuch tod for do sab kuch khatam kar do no, no, i'm saying what is their definition of yahi hai i know Ki their interpretation is no i'm going to say a very um, yeah, uh, no i'm going to say a very controversial thing they only go to shiva they don't go beyond with to vishnu also <laughs> vishnu ke paas bhi to jana chahiye because vishnu is the one who preserve no I, I i have a different term for it i call it institutional inkilab and this is not the rise of the <laughs> that is what the left this is not the rise of the proletariat where the uh, the farmer the working class person rises up because of some <laughs> social economic reason no this is right the entitled elite, class elite. <laughs> yeah the elite that has bungalows that has money <laughs> that the type of people like meeta patkar who <laughs> have such a huge and uh, it's not just because i have a lot of people who are saying oh a lot of these writers are not rich they don't they're not saying it's not about being rich it's about being uh, having a sense of entitlement because of the ideology that you profess and access and access access, access. so it's not about rich you may not and, be driving mercedes and everything but that's not what we are talking about no, here don't we, mistake a kurta pajama for being simple or mm, yeah. without money in india so, the quietest is, man ha huh, the quietest man is overrated yeah. it is it india is. in india you see the conversations the quietest man with the simplest dhoti kurta will have the maximum money ha huh. hmm. you will never know ha huh. so uh, 
Rajiv always wore khadi, right? But always had his mobile pen with so him. So, we are but, talking uh, about this cabal. As I said, uh, it, is, it is the protest, the cabal rises uh, in protest, what I had uh, no, titled my piece as. You know, th- this is the thing. And coming coming to that, what we were saying, you know, that first I coined this term called ideological fiefdoms. Now you have intellectual inkalab mm-hmm. or I, I, uh, institutional inkalab. So, yeah. institutional inkalab. So, the, the, <coughs> come to that. So, first you had this Sahitya Academy thing, uh, them rebelling against the quote unquote academy and giving their awards mm-hmm. in protest. Now you had a bunch of filmmakers yeah. uh, uh, returning their national awards. And some of them uh, returning the awards that didn't belong to them. <laughs> I mean, that is that is liberal by even no, by the standards of cabal, liberals. No, I, I, yeah, no, I don't think it did not belong to them. But it had belonged to him. Uh, so if you and I own a shirt together, so I can only return my part of the shirt. I cannot return your part of the shirt You're as well. more than welcome to wear that shirt if you have worn it, Sunanda. I'm not touching it. The, the, the cabal, the, 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 the cabal you are talking about is such an international cabal. Yeah. Uh, Moody's, which is usually has to deal with ratings yeah. and it has to be academic in nature, mm-hmm. decides to comment on rising intolerance and that affecting the ratings, which basically means they're not being objective mm-hmm. in their own work. Mm-hmm. So this is an international cabal. They're and I didn't hear that this was about Moody's analytics. This was not really the Moody's ratings yeah. and this thing, whatever it irrespective was. Of that, irrespective it is out, of that, it, it was out of their... Uh, and hence, the RBI governor had to jump in to allay the fears, mm-hmm. calm down the sentiments. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm using, I'm borrowing Arun Shori's, uh, you know, managing the head <laughs> Lines about the economy <laughs> analogy here, but we'll come to Arun Shauri later. Uh, okay, right. but but my point is, this is a huge uprising. No, I of, think uh, these people in hating Narendra Modi and the first so-called right-wing government of India so much that they have lost their bearings today. Irfan Habib said RSS is like um, ISIS. <laughs> Intellectually, RSS is like ISIS. I was like, what intellect did he see in I- ISIS to even talk about intellectually? He said this, there was this um, inclab happening today in, in this thing. So in this inclab... In um, no, no, no. It was happening somewhere else. So this in this inclab, Romila Thapar, she yeah. said, this is a debate between intellectualism and anti-intellectualism. I said, no, this is a debate between court historians and ordinary people. Oh, that was people. an excellent one you, you used. I know. And, um, mm. uh, you talked about chroniclers. There have been historically a lot of chroniclers who have... You don't have to assign merit to them. You don't have a, have to have a university give them a doctorate or whatever yeah. to be officially in, enabled, uh, enabled chroniclers. But the... Vested historians that India has produced the past 65 years has led to a lack of debate because of them. For example, the Aryan Dravidian theory, nobody could have the temerity to talk about out-of-India theory as long as Romila Thapar was ruling the roost. And imagine the intolerance with which they brought the discourse uh, to such a... a Which which actually uh, brings me to this interesting uh, question and we can all think about it. Was Romila Thapar ruling the roost just because, say, the political class agreed with her? Or was her influence on the political class so much that they could not even afford to disagree with her? The no. latter. The latter. The right? latter. So th- th- that's what I'm coming to. Because a lot of people think, like, when we talk to them, they're like, it's just, no, 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 Romila Thapar was patronized by the politician. I was like, no, it was almost like a, in a weird chicken and egg yeah. sort of theory. No, and it, it's it's also, it begins with Jawaharlal Nehru. It begins with his discovery of India, um, the book that basically leveraged all the freedom struggles into one or few few of these chapters. Yeah. I, I do have the book. I come 
go back and read it all the time. I do too. I have read the, Discovery the, of India uh, too. The book a... basically is a hallucination yeah. of uh, the ancient history of India and mm. possibly the merit you can give to that book is post the Mauryan period up until a certain time. Mm. But then Romila Thapar and their ilk basically expanded each chapter into books. Yeah. And then it got back right. to the textbooks and then yeah. the textbooks became uh, That's the, why the, they are all that's why we call we use the word Nehruvian because correct. this all correct. came hence from him name, as yeah. hence the name hence Nehruvian. The name, yes. Because it all came from that that's uh, uh, ideological fountainhead. Uh, yes. If, if anything, yeah. know, for yeah, yeah. a better term. But you know the, the, uh, one of our very good friends on Twitter actually said that you know he said if somebody told Ram Guha that Jawaharlal Nehru died long ago he'll really start to cry. <laughs> <laughs> He probably remembers Nehru in everything. I know. So he's like, if I have a feeling that if somebody tells him, goes. There is somebody him. from that family that really deserves a lot of uh, credit. Again, this is me personally. It is Indira Gandhi, and uh, the yesterday was her, uh, um, you know, um, uh, death an uh, anniversary. anniversary. And um, you know, she was the one who basically got her Bharat Ratna. There was this whole thing going on on social media that the Nehru Gandhi Parivar basically gave themselves yeah, they uh, awarded themselves. It was not so with respect to Indira, Indira Gandhi. Gandhi. This was uh, 1971 and... Um, no, but again, you know, I, I, I still... She should have probably said, don't give me the Bharat Ratna while I'm the Prime Minister. While I'm the Prime Minister. She, she could be bigger than that. I mean, it's she willingly accepted it. You know, I, I can give you the mind makers Ratna right now. What do you, would you accept it right now or not? I, you know, I, I don't buy this. You know, so yeah. maybe, maybe she deserved it after the India-Pakistan war. That's a separate debate. My body is, not very yeah, incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. That, you know, nine, say 10, 10 years after you became the prime minister. I mean, I don't know. Indira was probably fifth year of her prime minister. Yeah. From 1966. Four years. Four, four years. years. So four and a half years or something. And four years after the Bharat Ratna, she declared the, imposed the emergency. Would they take it back then yeah. after the emergency? No, that I is why you always wait, wait. for so, uh, these yeah. demit office, and that's when we uh, when See, you we can't hold. If if Indira deserved, you know, then would you also like would you give Vajpayee Bharat Ratna right after the Kargil no, no, no. war, or then I'm, would you? I'm but it's interesting about... that none of these people, Romila Thapar's or Nantara Segal's, none of these people bring up these points. That these people look at the height of illiberalism. Believes Indira was a democrat gone wrong. <laughs> And Barakat never corrected her. None of them, none of them I mean, actually I have to ask looked you this. at This is my favorite part. Barakat interviewed Zubin Mehta today. Yeah. And the question she asked was about intolerance thing. You, you have one of the world's finest composers and that's what you want to ask. Then you had an American artist. I forget her name. Maya Mirchandani was taking an interview on the left, right and center. And they asked about this intolerance question. And she was like, I don't know much about this. But I'm glad that artists are standing up for freedom of speech. Are bhai, ka I freedom know, of poor, speech? Poor, it's already there. I know, poor Geeta, she cannot speak. I'm so, you know, so sad about it. Otherwise, they would have asked her also. Huh. What do you think about intolerance? Uh, they would have asked because everyone. Because she's come from Pakistan. Huh. Because she would have asked everyone about uh, Are you Sudhinder Kulkarni is going to Pakistan yeah. to, for the Kasuri's book launch. So. Let's talk when he comes back. Huh. But, uh, huh. So, I mean, I, I hope he brings his great idea. He was quoting Jinnah that we need to follow the paths of Jinnah that resulted in partition and the worst. The uh, best part uh, is what? all of them are getting exposed and I'm enjoying this. No, and they're exposing themselves. Yeah. You, and this is why I like what the Narendra Modi government is doing right now. Sit back, get a popcorn, and sit pretty. Uh, get a beer. If he doesn't drink, get a Coke and enjoy the fun. I know. They're coming out like cockroaches. Yeah. Uh, for the, you know, for somebody who's considered India's best historian to say ISIS and 
RSS are same. I'm sorry, you need to go back to or, or, study or what you've been studying. I would question studying. the people who called him India's best historian. Yeah, but that's yeah. So let's uh, <clears throat> talk more about the award wapsi. As you saw, the format of this podcast was quite similar to our last week's podcast where we did talk about the news of the week. Now, um, we are going to do that for the first two parts of the first 20 odd minutes. Mm -hmm. The last part we're going to devote to a discussion on the Uniform Civil Code. Uh, the Supreme Court made an observation. This again is not going to be a first uh, discussion on Uniform Civil Code. Uh, there's going to be many more of those, but especially since it was in the news and uh, Mindmakers also had uh, a survey on the website about and if you haven't voted, uh, uh, you, you still have a day. Tomorrow we'll change the survey so you do make your voice heard right now it's an overwhelming 90 plus percent mm -hmm. on one way uh, you ch do go and check out the answers what it was but coming back to the news of the week and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about them um, because that's all that has been in um, English language media news at least well so before we come to the the filmmakers I wanted to talk about this event that happened last week uh, one of our beloved icons Arun Shauri was at uh, the book launch of TN9's book and I saw the whole event and the discussion on the book was barely there. It, there was more of, I know. of a discussion. I was wondering how Tia Nainan felt after the thing. He probably wants to probably launch the book. Basically, basically, because no, no, one, no one ever even knew of the book Turn of the Tortoise. I did not know because of Arun Shauri came and made those but, statements. But, but, nobody, but nobody knows about the book now. Also. Everybody was charitable Everybody was charitable in their remarks. Tia Nainan talked about uh, banks. Yeah. Tien, I mean, uh, Arvind Subramanian Sham took, Saran talked was so, um, you know, I would say he was the best uh, speaker yeah, on that day, thing. you know. And Shamsaran also, Shamsaran, uh, although he did make some Correct. comments, but he was balanced. No, and I would blame Srinivas and Jain also to some extent, but he's known for doing that. He is like, I know you're not going to defend the government, no, but, but what do like you think a, about Arun This Shari? looked like a hit job in the sense that, uh, you know, how would you expect Pri Prime Minister Manmohan Singh in the front row, everybody else seated behind mm. him, then Arun Shori and then... Um, um, Srinivas and Jain on the either side of the podium and then the the neutral guys in the yeah. middle. This looked like a complete hit job. With my my thing is, uh, Shari Saab has been in media before he was a politician. He has been in media for the longest time. Yeah. And yet he just, uh, he didn't think that this was all a setup. I, I I don't was he part and of the setup is the question. Yeah, and <laughs> Mr. Shari as, as a Smart as he is, mm -hmm. he didn't think that this would be you, the way it would be used. No, inviting him usually takes a lot of time. You know, inviting him to any event, yeah. and uh, he has been quiet for a while. Uh, and this could not have happened without a little bit of detailed discussions, because obviously, if you notice the face, um, uh, the reactions, Alvin Subramaniam looked caught off. He caught. He was completely caught off guard. And he yeah. even actually said that Nine, I thought this was going to be more about. I did correct. not think this was going to be about the government performance. Nainan and Sham Saran also looked uh, unprepared, little, yeah. a little bit unprepared, because they could have given specifics. They only talked in in general terms. I think they were caught unaware. Only Prime Minister Manmohan Singh with his smirk on his face and Arun Shori and Srinivas Jain looked uh, mm. like they were prepared. <laughs> because the script was, you know, going Pramod and... Pramod is making a very interesting allegation. 
because again <laughs> if it was substantive and i i've and I, i'm not, it, i'm not i'm not refuting it i'm just I'm how just would he how would he infer and he's a sane man how would he infer that people are remembering manmohan nobody in the that, right that's what that's remember. what disturbed me the most ah. it's not about theek hai chalo you know you can be uh, i do not agree with the other points he made about the economy that the government is only managing headlines and so it was rather silly comments but he's entitled he's entitled to his opinion but, but if i were to say do. that people are uh, to say that people are missing manmohan singh especially after he himself has taken down manmohan singh multiple times and in- this is typical of indian events indian events mein the chief guest is actually told that uh-huh. there is another big personality in the crowd why don't you talk about him little bit thoda uske unke bare mein bhi zikr kar dijiye i would like this completely like any any yeah. any person and any person who is listening the podcast and hasn't seen this i want them to go back and you know uh, god forgive me i'm plugging a karan thapar show but <laughs> i'm just kidding but karan thapar did an interview with arun shouri before the last elections where arun shouri made a statement if i'm not mistaken narendra modi has the best polling agent in manmohan singh yeah. and listen to that interview and every single okay. point that arun shouri makes against manmohan singh if he believes that narendra this government is worse than that then goodness heavens he's saying something that no none of us are my only point of is if uh, arun shouri was accusing this government of hyperbole and he even say said this line which became the toast of the nation jo hyperbole sonihal I wanted to tell him I, it was funny, but I wanted to tell him that he was indulging in hyperbole as well. Absolutely. To say that log doctors are being misquoted—that was complete hyperbole. Oh, yeah. So um, people, people need to be. No one is talking about the fact that you know if you are. unhappy with the government you have every right to talk about it you have every right to go on every forum about it but you cannot at the same time if you are accusing the government of managing headlines what are you doing you are also managing the headlines you are not giving any substantive um you know allegation or you're not making any substantive um, uh, accusation against the government and at the same time i also feel that um he just was enjoying the moment of uh, bringing disrepute to this government knowing that his position as a, a preeminent right wing scholar he exactly knew how this was going to be used against this government and he was enjoying the moment it's, and it's not about that it's not about say a ex bjp mp or saying see this is not from shatrughan sinha making a comment yeah. against the government arun shouri holds a special place in anyone who is on the right of center in and which shouri knows which which shouri knows because of his work because of his tenure as a minister because of his you know outspoken nature yeah. and his com- and his combative nature fighting the emergency ar yeah. antule everyone i mean i don't need to list all those achievements but why squander that goodwill by making st- i i you know i have no problem with him criticizing the government actually we did do a show when arun shouri gave that infamous interview to karan thapar on one year of the modi government and i would um, tell everybody dikh rahi hai khana nahi aa raha awaaz aa rahi hai i think it was podcast 16 or 17 i don't exactly remember it it says the interview it's on youtube and i'll post the links as well to to that in the description of this listen to that and listen to our take on it we were ready to give the man the benefit uh, of the doubt but no, i'll tell you uh, i am going to be a little bit controversial here <clears throat> i've always believed at at a certain age if you have an ambition again i agree with uh, somebody who's saying that at least dr <coughs> swami goes uh, publicly and uh, says that he has 
a certain contribution to mm. make and he's not being asked to take that responsibility which he's asking for whatever it is that is between dr swami that's and that's another no that's that is, another piece uh, that's coming correct. on the mind makers tomorrow uh, uh, as a right. rebuttal no, to shauri good mention uh, yes. of that uh. but i'm just talking in comparison and contrast uh, as somebody who understands economics the the philosophical moorings of uh, the bjp and also most importantly has experience i feel he's shirking from responsibility by making these uncharitable comments if he is there's only two people there's a bhogi or a yogi if you are a bhogi you have to take part you have to get hit you have to understand that change is a constant thing yeah. you have to say that at least i tried like what he did in uh, those 6 years tenure and produce certain results <coughs> by shirking away from responsibilities at this uh, level uh, i i'm i'm feeling a little bit uh, concerned whether he's in the right state of mind from a health perspective because when you uh, your age also progresses that is why i, I was saying i know you guys are uh, yeah i, I, I not, don't know not disbelief i mean you're you're <laughs> you are unable to uh, no, I'm not say anything <laughs> no, no i'm just say, here's my point oh. is somebody who is at that age has yeah. to give back in whatever capacity he, he should yeah. he is he is being extremely condescending of children who are not performing properly mm. in his opinion but then he has to go back he has to dive drive back mm. and make sure that the children perform mm. yeah. that is the vatsalya that he has to bring to the table if not there is something wrong my I my guess. only thing was i was sad as someone who has observed the vajpayee government in when you know i was relatively younger <coughs> than what i am right now and and this and has read back to what all devils or what all i wouldn't even say devils but what all problems did they had to combat he knows what narendra modi is up against he knows that these people are what they're doing is uh, uh, is wrong so and and he's battled them themselves so for him yeah. to come out and say and in that current happen he said something about julio ribero thing right now we all know that narrative uh, about christians minorities uh, thing has been completely debunked see here's why i find fault with narendra modi all the time why is he taking hits like this why can't he come out and say no, look because no, i think minute. because he wants them to be exposed which is good no, let them be exposed sunanda I, i agree with promo then again i come back to my pet peeve why why can't he has he... to come out and say if he can't say get a good guy in the pmo to say this do weekly he, press he was offered press such and such position let's say for example dr swami did mention in a very uh, weird manner that he was offered the chair uh, the the chair position for the um, bricks bank oh, no bricks the bricks bank, bank. Mm-hmm. then eventually that whole controversy <laughs> started up, no, no. that was <laughs> that was also a rumor that was a rumor that was a rumor <laughs> yeah, but this rumor. was uh, there is some iota of the truth best joke though there cannot be uh, i mean narendra modi could not have missed such a huge human resource in his midst and without uh, uh, being able to offer a position for that stature yeah there must have been some conversation that uh, that did happen If Modi... and, and none of us will ever be privy to that conversation of course from what we know my only point is that i think mr shauri should be a little more gracious mm. um uh, i'm not saying he does not as a public intellectual he has every right to criticize everyone but he needs to also understand that he cannot become victim of the same cabal the, that is the, victimizing narendra modi and at the same time he also cannot become a pawn in the hands of people who have called him arundhati roy of the right in the past uh, and the silliness he has taken the discourse to such a level i remember vividly in 2009 after the defeat of the bjp uh, arun shauri went on karan thapar and uh, said that uh, the rss has to bomb the headquarters oh, on walk the talk with shekhar gupta, gupta, with Shekar gupta and also mentioned that when he, went, uh, when he went with the file of uh, to 2g scam to rajnath uh, sorry to manmohan singh he was uh, you know fixing it and uh, 
and he, he is talking about people remembering the same Manmohan Singh who sat on three Shocking. years. It's a sad it's unbelievable. It's yeah, sad. I mean, I, I know, I, I don't know how to believe. I, I felt numb after watching and hearing that comparison. Uh, it's... I what just, can one I mean, say? Yeah, what, what can, can one, one say? say? I mean... Yeah, we'll just end right at that. Before we get to our uh, next topic, um, I do want to say that this is Mindmakers production. This Mind podcast is brought to you by the Mindmakers team. This uh, podcast is produced and edited by Adit Kapadia with the help of our team in India. The panelists for the um, podcast are Adit Kapadia, Pramod Kumar Buravalli, and Sunanda Vashisht, which is me. <coughs> so part two of this podcast, uh, we're going to talk about a very interestingly controversial uh, topic that we need to talk we don't think it's controversial but uh, certainly the left liberals do so and since right now everything they seem to be doing is a, contro uh, is a contro controversial reaction to controversial move of the controversial government mm. but we that, we see, this is this same. is where the controversy is very strange <coughs> in india at least when mm. we can come to that where the left and right seem to Historically, have agreed for a common civil court. By the way, yes, so that is what we're no, no, no. To. But nee, this is the thing, uh, Pramod. You, the left. You mean? Are you talking about the left intellectuals or are you talking about the Marxists? The Marxists have uh, ideologically always said that there should be one law for everybody. Yes. Huh. But ideologically. Ideolog but then you have parts of the left wing seeped in this Nehruvian ethos. No, that is pseudo-left. Pseudo-left. No. But they also forget that Nehru was sympathetic towards the Uniform Civil Code. Yeah. So, so, that's so what we are saying is that the original right mm. of India and original left of India, mm. they have always agreed on uh, uniform the purists they've agreed on uniform civil code who has not agreed on civil code guys were neither here nor there the establishment no, not just that and the first debate in in my opinion as a uh, amateur student of history whatever it is uniform code was more about women's rights rather than religions per se to have men and women have similar rights so uh, women but not not just women, but just marriage and divorce. Mar no, 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 I know, started, I know, I know. So e you treat them as equals right, kind of thing right, because right. in and, and especially then when you see it in the context of the Shahabano case, it, the debate more so becomes that. It's not about infringing on your personal freedom and so forth. Yeah. So that is where uh, that is where the debate lies. So with that, Pramod has uh, has an interesting factoid on the Uniform Civil Code. So I'm going to tell, I'm going to give the floor to him so, to read on that. So yeah. the Civil Code is a systematic collection of laws designated to deal with the core areas of uh, private laws such as dealing with businesses and negligence lawsuits etc etc a jurisdiction that has civil court generally also has a code for civil procedure so there's all of these come under the civil laws mm -hmm. the concept of this codification or kind of uh, putting these laws together under one umbrella goes back in the modern times not even modern times i would say then the past 4000 years goes back to hammurabi hammurabi was the co uh, king of babylon yeah. This was back in 1760 BC. He was the first uh, he was guy the who first, codified he, the he, civil he code. Yeah. Co he codified civil laws. Mm. Then uh, moving forward towards uh, the Roman Empire, the, the Eastern Roman Empire, especially the, with the Byzantine Emperor Justinian, he codified certain laws that were in vogue until 1700s in Europe. So that it's about for, for 1200 years, these laws were borrowed from that Justinian law. In India, since ancient times, Manusmriti has always been one of the templates to follow. Mm. Uh, templates for the king to follow. How do how do you uh, enact uh, laws? How do you extract uh, taxes, etc., etc. There is Manusmriti. Mm. Uh, there are other examples. The Misna in Jewish, 
Haraka law, the canons of the apostles in Christianity, and also the Quran and Sunnah in Islam. Mm -hmm. So there are several different laws, and every democratic country has attempted to unify certain laws, certain best principles from each of these laws based on experience, based on the mandate that that government had, etc., etc. Uh, in the United States and Canada, United States, I'll come to that a little bit uh, later, but Canada basically since it had a lot of French influence took on some of the French uh, civil laws and yeah. uh, started using those. Uh, in uh, Europe also, the Latin laws that were first enacted was in the Austrian Empire, uh, especially the King Ferdinand yeah. the Great. Then eventually those were borrowed either by the Anglo-Saxon uh, uh, majorities, whether, wherever they were, and then eventually they came, made, made their way into the United States. United States is different because each state has a different civil law. Yeah. California civil law is different mm. from the New York state civil mm -hmm. law, but they're all based on the Judeo-Christian principle that civil laws, irrespective of whether you're Judaic, you're Christian, you're Mormon, it has to be the common law. So there will be some, uh, uh, you know, uh, alimony given, uh, that alimony percentage differs from state to state, but there is a certain quantum given, irrespective of which religion uh, after divorce. So there, those are those are codified. But nor can any um, uh, religious groups or religious clergy uh, has any right the best on, template uh, is the united states the clergy has no no right uh, no whatsoever in civil laws yeah. whether it is marriage so, or divorce. but this, and this is what it comes back to when we take the debate back to india uh, where religious clergy they have their own personal laws right like in india religious only for muslims or, though because yeah. um, hindus have we don't, uh, yeah, we, don't we, we, we obviously don't have a one unified church or anything right so um, so only for muslims there is this thing that where um, clergy can determine whether you are uh, whether you got talaq or you didn't get talaq or whether you deserve an alimony or don't deserve an alimony they can weigh upon those matters mm -hmm. so women uh, have to be, have to rely on these uh, but let me clergy. give you a guys the, a little bit of background to where this debate starts it is not a, a New recent debate, debate. Yeah, it no. has a 150 year old of history course. with the british yeah. rule also the british which are ruling the eastern part of india majority of them uh, the, the west was still under either maharaja ranjit singh some maratha rule was still there but the Lex Loci report of October 1840 emphasized the importance and necessity for uniformity of civil uh, mm. codification of Indian law. Mm. And then, but it, but it recommended that personal laws of Hindus and Muslims should be kept outside such codification. So, if some uh, law conflicts with a law that is proposed, then it depends on who that uh, protagonist is. Yeah. It, it was completely an instrument for furthering colonial interests of the British. So yeah. there was never a, a fair game uh, for that matter. Then uh, f uh, most of the uh, religious laws uh, were also very passive, uh, you know, they, they were pacified in nature. Mm. You know, the Queen's Proclamation of 1859, uh, which promises absolute non-interference in re religious matters. This is again an instrument to keep their rule yeah. uh, yeah. forward. Uh, but most but what of the should, reform, what, most hmm. of the reform started with Ishwar Chandra Vidyasagar and Raja Ramon. I, I'd yes. like to mention that because uh, some of the reforms um, in Hindu law were initiated based on what the uh, Hindu society was also going through at that point mm -hmm. in time, the Sati, or for that matter, the child marriage. Some of these acts were incorporated in the common uh, civil law so, of mm -hmm. the British. Then in the 1830s, it started, uh, discussion started happening as far as Hindu women's uh, rights 
as far as marriages are concerned mm, mm. then uh, it moved from there till the parliament resolution in 1956 in which jawaharlal nehru yeah the hindu code bill correct was a very big supporter of the uniform civil code so uh-huh, very, but, but then he somehow he said that i may not bring this thing but if if somebody else does they have my sympathy he but and uh, i think b r ambedkar was also in favor of the uniform civil code so it was a very interesting juxtaposition of these two things where one thing we saw a progress on the hindu side but there was a, not the prog- on the other side but that that you know I, i'm glad you gave a historical background so the last 5 minutes of this we're going to debate about the modern context yeah. so right now do you think india is uh, what do you think sunanda do you think india is ready for a uniform civil code i court? absolutely think i think india was ready for uniform civil code in 1947 i agree and i think there is no reason why the biggest um, stick to beat uniform civil code with is that these are people who are trying to bring hindu laws or majoritarian laws and this is going to be a major authoritarian thing i don't understand how i really do not understand how uniform civil code is uh, bringing majoritarianism in this um, no, yeah, equality because civil law is not being um, you know it's not the hindu scriptures that are going to guide the civil laws or the laws that are applicable to hindu women right now are not uh, governed by uh, were not written with hindu scriptures in so, mind but there are there are two 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 facets to this debate the first because some amount of modernity was also kept in mind of course no but no that 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 is a separate debate i'm talking about the present thing there are two debates so first debate is the social aspect what we talked about that of course india is ready for a uniform civil code uh, as you said uh, the ultra left or sections who are seeped in the leftist ideology some some of them actually do agree with the right on on this um but when we come to the political aspect of it that's when the things start getting trickier so if this government and it's funny everyone is expecting everything from this government in the first 16 months first yeah, two years yeah. uh, uniforms uh, which is quite interesting and uh, you know i'm glad at least they are hoping yeah. that this might happen will will it be able to bring this bill without damaging its its political aspects in the states or i don't think narendra modi government can do it in the uh, first time no 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 and not just that is it polit- is a political hot potato that's going to be played up by other parties absolutely in, that which is what yeah and i mean if i were in, um, if um, uh, mr modi was to get my advice i would tell him not even touch it Mm. even though it this is an issue very close to my heart mm. but because um, this is not so, something so, he can so, so you're you're saying like like how uh, uh, the american presidents would bring the issues close to their heart in the second term of the yeah. presidency yeah. if narendra modi wins the second term second that's term that's when he should touch it in like eighth year of so his presidency so this is this is obama care yeah so this is obama care <laughs> he should not touch it well it needs ground work because yeah, it needs ground what work. are these changes that are going to be suggested mm. what are uh, the is the uh, all no, no, india no no it's the same as hindu no, laws no, no, hindu no, no. women uh, again, and muslim again, women we, we, should be we, we are, governed see, by the same law we that is for a second debate i mean for uniform civil code we can probably have mm. one whole hour on mm. it uh, that's a second debate what i want to particularly ask to focus is because the supreme court some made a statement that the decision should be or they should think the about government should think decision. about it yeah. yeah so in 2016 2017 the years leading up to 2019 can the will the narendra modi government do it the first thing i don't think so can they do it i doubt it should no. they do it no. i would hope so in a utopian world yeah, but, but uh, i i don't see it happening it's, it's, i am a little um, it also bothers me that we call india a secular country and all these people they're always talking about secularism but if secularism is about 
keeping the state and religion aside i really don't see any reason why the religion muslim, should not interfere with the state religion and should vice, not versa. vice versa i do not see why a muslim woman cannot go to the court and be granted divorce or any such alimony basic human right we are talking yeah. not in terms of uh, hindus or muslims it's basic men also, also. You know, it's basic sides, there has to be certain uh, common is a melanist <laughs> <laughs> no because in a modern liberal democracy every right. citizen has some rights Absolutely. and that's how it should no, be no, and no. india is a modern liberal democracy so before we uh, would like to end the podcast i would want to bring up an interesting thing because we promote qu- quickly uh, the india africa summit how significant it is it is very important because it is resource rich the continent has always uh, historically felt warmly towards india because mm. they they and india have had common freedom struggles from the mm-hmm. same colonial masters mm-hmm. uh, it has been 30 to 40 years since the uh, days of the non aligned movement because the african imperative was always to be aligned with either the Uh, mm. the islamic countries in north africa or mm. uh, countries in north africa or the south uh, the the western portion was always aligned with the western bloc so in that uh, really uh, you know difficult circumstances india had to negotiate and compete with the chinese for mm. resources mm. for mm. projects mm. and etc so now this is the first time a huge consortium of uh, Uh, heads of states came dressed in indian attire by ah, the way and except uh, for robert mugabe <laughs> uh, but you know mugabe <laughs> yes. is a different uh, through jay shankar uh, uh, we had a debate with him on mind because uh, he he read a very funny tweet saying that you know no one can tell robert mugabe what to uh, what Correct. he can wear but, but but and also i got to say that the whole scale of it all 2000 delegates 54 countries and as much as i criticize ndtv at least they had one debate on the africa and then karan thapar did too and parthasarthi made a very interesting point about tanzanian uh, railways right. and stuff that how the technology transfer is not happening and that's where uh, india steps in right. helping them with the technology transfer and a conditional line of credit and so all of these are <laughs> the leftists criticize that conditional line of credit i got to say sitaram yechuri i think he did so but he doesn't understand uh, economics that's an yeah. oxymoron So, right. Yeah, there he doesn't because basically that could be um, amount that we'll take from the the BRICS bank of which China is the biggest. <laughs> no, that's why they had this one of these chaps on TV. They introduced him as a leftist economist, and I was like, that it's the whole term is an oxymoron. So, but 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 what I and uh, Sonanda sadly had to leave us for the last part of the podcast. That's why uh, we're we're covering this part uh, real quick. Um, what what i what was interesting is the congress party boycotted the dinner hosted by narendra modi which i thought it was extremely petty that you know what the hell are they even talking about something about omitting nehru's name or insulting the legacy of nehru you know you um, oppose as much as you want politically but when an in- a diplomatic event that is on such a scale which has not happened in the last 30 odd years is happening you show your pettiness by doing this i mean i i, I don't know what what is wrong with them no it's not just about being uh, you know petty it's also about uh, you know, showing to the world repeated amounts of times that there's something wrong with this government this is just the un- Uh, uh you know a kind of a, a unnatural way of trying to bring attentions to mm-hmm. attention mm-hmm. to themselves uh, but africa is very important because not just because of the energy reserves but uh, you know the biggest signing of agreements were for uni- uranium uh, supply mm-hmm. and so some some of those are uh, going unnoticed but what i am uh, peeved about is that africa and india are uh, going to be partners for india and also one of the african nations to be part uh, of the united nations hopefully reformed united nations uh, security council because yes, one of the biggest yes. uh, 
you know, uh, letdowns has been the an, an entire continent is underrepresented. Which was actually articulated very well by Ambassador Hardeep Singh Correct. Puri in a fantastic mind interview that it's there on the website. So if you haven't read it, I would read it. India's biggest allies culturally, socially, economically, politically will be South America and Africa moving forward. It's a very interesting point you bring, Pramod. And uh, this is where the government's foreign policy has been fascinating. I do have a quibble with them on what happened in Nepal. I think it could, it should have been handled better. It was a, I, I wouldn't call it a blunder, but it was a definite boo-boo on the, on the government side. Uh, and, uh, but the, but the, in the, the Indo-Africa summit, is a major feather in the cap for uh, Narendra Modi, uh, Sushma Swaraj, and Ambassador Jay Shankar, and or now Foreign Secretary Jay Shankar. <laughs> He's no longer. I am so used to calling him Ambassador Jay Shankar. No, and but, uh, and just to give you uh, yeah. an overview, there is a lot of follow-up that needs to happen. Indian companies are vying for contracts and competing with the Chinese, yeah. competing with the Russians, and uh, Africa as an untapped uh, potential for services industry also. A very big opening that is going mm. to happen. Um, hopefully that in the next two or, two or three years with sub uh, sufficient follow-up, there will be a lot more of these bilaterals between uh, respective countries. can I tell you something? <clears throat> uh, this is where I'm slightly... I don't think we can replace China in Africa just yet because the amount of investment they can build, uh, they can bring in Africa in terms of infrastructure building and stuff, it is... No, that is why I mentioned services. Services, right. Ah, and, and Airtel is doing quite well in Africa actually. Uh, uh, completely different in telecom and stuff. And, uh, but when it comes to technology transfer, so you know, China maintain or something, that's where India steps in. It can also help uh, uh, in, um, in, a, in its own way of doing this. Because again, Make in India might be completely at odds with Make in Africa. So right now we need to get Make in India in order first. When before we go to Make in Africa. Manufacturing is a different ball game. Infrastructure is a different game altogether. But at least as far as services are concerned, banking cooperation. Lot of in the in the past countries in Africa have had. Uh, you know, great tie-ups as far as railways are concerned. Mm. So there are some things that have to be explored constantly mm. and consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, you know, uh, saying and one quick mention, uh, Arnab Goswami did a fascinating debate with uh, uh, Arun Jaitley, Justice Loda, Sony Sorabji, Rajiv Dhawan. I thought uh, Arun Jaitley was fantastic on that debate. He articulated the points very on the NJAC and. Uh, they were unlike his usual noise fests from which <laughs> on Monday to Friday. This was a very refreshing debate. I would urge Arnab does more of these rather than the yelling and the shouting that goes on on TV studios. And you know, in, Indian viewers deserve more of this. And I mean, I would enjoy if we see this becomes a regular occurrence or something. And maybe you know, uh, five years down the lane, maybe not, or two years down the lane, you'll have uh, uh, debates like the American debates, uh, like you know, presidential debates and I, stuff. I don't think it will ever happen in India, but at oh. least at the the unofficially TV channel I, I, yeah, level yeah. unofficially I, I mean you can have three senior ministers representing three points of view and having like a proper debate not just you know oh, oh, oh so let's see how that works and and for that channels also have to talk to each other and not just say we are the first people who broke this exclusively Exclusive. uh -huh. anyways on that note uh, we're ending this edition of mind podcast do do like us on uh, facebook follow us on twitter keep logging in uh, and we'll be back next week with mind podcast 42 um this is Adit Kapadia and Pramod Kumar Boravalli and Sunanda Vashisht. I'm just saying on her behalf, signing off from Houston. We'll be back next week. Bye.